Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Glad you're with us. Monday edition rolls on of OutKick 360 across the OutKick network with Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton in Nashville. 6th and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, Tyler Castle, Jacob Swanson, David Reed, the chairman of the board, making it happen for us. Um, the whole cast and crew with Outkick, phenomenal job for us each and every day. Uh, as we get the week started, Paul is down in West Palm Beach uh, covering the NFL owners' meetings and a lot to get to that we will have an hour from now an in-depth conversation on some of the the rules changes that are being either proposed or considered. Uh, We'll get into that, plus uh, some news and notes about some NFL stadiums that include the Bills and the Titans, and much, much more. Uh, Paul, the the discussion today is centered around minority ownership of teams. Uh, We'll get into that in a moment. But also, we heard from Mike McDaniel about this, this Tom Brady rumor mill that was circulating late last week and over the weekend about how we could see him potentially playing in Florida, but just for a team further south. And the insinuation was it was the Miami Dolphins. Mike McDaniel not only shot that down by saying, you know, that's, that's fake news, that's not happening. Tom Brady, the quote was, Tom Brady on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that has not been in the conversation. I think that's what you call fake news. He went on to say that not only is Tua Tagovailoa part of their plan, he is the starter and Teddy Bridgewater was signed to be his backup. Uh, that's a head coach that is, to me, laying it out that they're not going to be trading for one Tom Brady. Although, it, it's easy to connect the dots, right? Because we know the Brian Flores lawsuit named uh, an unnamed player on a yacht with Stephen Ross, the Dolphins owner. The Palm Beach Post later reported that unnamed player was Tom Brady. And that this past offseason, after retirement, the Dolphins had courted Brady to be a minority owner in their, in their business, in, in the Dolphins franchise. And you could, you could guess that Stephen Ross would be wanting Brady to also play uh, if he wanted to come out of retirement and play. Your, your thoughts and maybe what you've heard from there on all this. Yeah, if this stuff happened, guys, it would have happened on a completely different timetable because Tom Brady let it be known he was coming out of retirement, made calls to guys like Ryan uh, Jensen, right, to yes. let them know. Um, and that was to get those guys to sign with Tampa Bay to make another run. Uh, Tom Brady, you know, maybe has made some decisions that, that people could question, but he's not a guy that screws over teammates. So he's not going to call Jensen and say, hey, you know, uh, you're, you're one of my guys. I really want you snapping to me as I decide – that this retirement didn't take. And then a couple weeks later, is going to get himself traded to Miami when Jensen left a couple million dollars on the table to go out in free agency and stayed in Tampa in part because Tom Brady was going to be there and, and Tampa Bay could then use it to re-sign guys or recruit guys. 
that's not a Tom Brady like move. That's not a move of any any uh, legitimate, you know, established guy. So you know, maybe there was some chum in the water that this could have happened a couple weeks earlier on the on the timetable. But the timing of him coming back, it was Tampa all the way. I think for his credibility with his people, um, he would have really screwed people over had he come back and then um, manipulated this deal. And I don't know that Tampa Bay was anxious to do him any favors in, in that regard, though at least it would have been cross-conference. Cross Chad, you, you tend to agree with all that. The, the, one, the one thing that people are pointing to is, oh, we, we, we haven't heard from Rob Gronkowski yet, but I mean, if, if, this, if this were not the circumstance, we weren't talking about Brady in, in Miami, the reaction to Gronkowski not making a decision yet would have been, oh, well, he's just going to be your typical vet at this stage of his career. He's going to show up in training camp and not sign yeah, right yeah, now and absolutely. go to the OTAs. I mean, that, that's what if vets he, are going to do. If he comes, he'll come in summer. Yeah. yeah. It, it seems like a Kyler Murray move and not a Tom Brady move, Paul, to your point. I mean, if, I, if I'm trying to think of quarterbacks that might pull something like that, it would be more Kyler Murray than Tom Brady, given his track record throughout his career. And I guess the Dolphins <laughs> make sense because of the whole Brian Flores deal about the yacht with Steven Ross and who they were trying to you know, bring in at one point um, and trade for. So the team makes sense. Mike McDaniel strikes me as an extremely honest, upfront guy that will probably lean more towards getting in trouble for being too honest than trying to stop information from getting out of the organization. So when he calls it quote-unquote fake news, I completely believe him. I also think that even if you were in talks at any point, unofficially, officially, to trade for Tom Brady and bring him in, knowing you've got a sitting quarterback that you were on the phone with, talking about bringing out the best of their abilities, it is not in your best interest to talk publicly about you courting another quarterback. So I understand why a coach would say it's fake news or say it's not true. But when Mike McDaniel says it, I believe it. It just doesn't – This is not one plus one does not equal two here for me. It just does not add up. With, with this report out there, Brady, Dolphins, McDaniel now saying this, it doesn't line up. Paul, the other thing that doesn't line up. could have talked up, at one point, but it doesn't mean that they talked at this point. Well, I mean, this time we're glossing over the facts. The facts are the Dolphins have been courting Tom Brady for more than two years. And that, that, that's not hard to figure out. That's why I brought up the yacht the and everything else. Yeah, that, that's, that part of it makes sense to me, but it's the Brady coming out of retirement What's going on now? Paul, you mentioned the timeline. What's going on with him informing the Bucks and what the Bucks are trying to do to make sure they maintain and build around Tom Brady that then the, the he would be talking or they would be talking about a trade. That part of it doesn't line up. The Dolphins' interest in Tom Brady certainly lines up as an organization. The Dolphins, Dolphins just gave up a slew of picks for a quarterback. They wouldn't have been giving up those picks if they were planning on trading for a, for a wide receiver. They just gave up a bunch of picks. Yeah. They'd need those picks if they were trading for a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, their, their, first, their first pick right now is at pick 102 in round three. Um, you're getting more than that for Brady um, and what he would bring to the, the Miami Dolphins franchise. Um, and you're getting future things, too. And, and who knows, probably Tua in return. But again, you have to want Tua Tagovailoa. And if you're trading for Tua and you're giving up Brady, um, along with receiving picks, in my, in my estimation, um, you're viewing Tua as a long-term solution post-Tom Brady, which you could have traded for when Brady retired and you were left with Blaine Gabbert as your starter. 
Like that, Again, like all of the details behind the scenes don't add up to the rumor that was out there. Another thing that's interesting is John Lynch says that he has not received one offer for Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, the first thing I thought of was, well, this is this happens both in both ways here. The the this this would also potentially be John Lynch saying without any uncertain terms here, we have not granted permission for Jimmy Garoppolo to seek a trade. Because if you allow his agent to go out and seek a trade, you'll get some offers in return. Uh, so he, he also didn't phrase it that way. He says that no teams have called for Jimmy Garoppolo. I wouldn't be calling for Jimmy Garoppolo if I knew he just had shoulder surgery. I would be wanting to talk with an agent and make sure that I can get him in for all of the necessary medicals before making an offer, Paul. I think it's also an easy way to say, hey, uh, ring me up uh, to stir up some interest. I I don't know what he said about the shoulder hut, uh, but that's an easy way of saying, call me, check out what the status is, and, and let's talk. There had been one report out there, uh, I think I read Florio dismissing that, that, that he'd been offered two twos. Yeah. And if you'd been offered two twos, why, ha- why hadn't you taken two twos? Because that's a hell of an offer for a guy that you got giving up one two. Um, so, uh, you know, we just kind of reached a dead point here where it seems like people are now going to wait for the draft. And this isn't just at quarterback. This is at virtually everything, right? Eddie may be getting himself a deal for Rosenhaus with the Jets. Uh, but outside of that, there's not a lot of action going on now. It's going to be bits and pieces and, and small stuff, generally speaking, up until the draft. And then you see what goes on um, after the draft. What's, and Garoppolo might, might find a spot after that. What's interesting Depending is, on where his shoulder is John Lynch says they're not going to release him. And, but if they did that, they could save $25 million against the cap this year by doing so. Well, Paul, do you know their I, I cap situation right now? Keep them with I don't him? know it off the top of my head. I, I think there's some. I've thought all along there might be some inclination to to ensure themselves uh, against uh, the draft pick not being uh, where they need them to be yet because they're a contending team a, as they are. Um, even even given carrying uh, you know a rookie cap quarterback number and 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 Garoppolo. Um, they can't be too in too too big of a hole, given that because the rookie number's not big. Well, they're, so they're one of these teams that have not been very active this offseason. Twenty six point nine is his cap hit this year. Wow! So they have not been very active, and in large part because of that cap hit with Jimmy Garoppolo currently on the roster. You got John Lynch saying they haven't fielded any offers. I would I don't understand why the Forty ers wouldn't be actively putting themselves out there to try to get a deal done to get rid of that number and get Jimmy Garoppolo somewhere else and get something back in return other than they're okay with their current roster that just went to the NFC Championship game and lost a close game to the eventual Super Bowl champion. And almost, this may sound crazy, but kind of a run-it-back scenario, but you're running it back with the guy you drafted to be the starting quarterback and your insurance policy is the oft-injured guy who's won there for you before. As the backup, to your point, Chad. To your point, Chad. If you weren't, uh, never mind taking calls now. Like if you weren't pushing the issue with this earlier, back at the beginning of the quarterback shuffle. Um, I mean, I, I guess the only rationale for that is that there were a lot of questions about the shoulder. But I think you would have been talking people through uh, what procedure he had, what the timetable is, sharing uh, X-rays and CAT scans and all of that. 
Um, maybe the shoulder's more messed up than, than, uh, than, you know, we think, um, and that's the rationale for it. That would be the only rationale. Otherwise what you're talking about seems like, uh, maybe it's more the plan than anybody would have suspected. Well, uh, two things. Uh, so John Lynch went on to say that the, the shoulder issue has caused teams to pause and at least slow down the process. But a part of that process, he admitted, did not include any offers whatsoever this offseason. Number two, if you are not ready to move forward uh, at quarterback with the guy that you traded up for and you, you know your, your, your third overall pick last year, to me, as a general manager, I would be wanting to move this deal along in order to get a backup in place in case he's really not ready to go. If you don't think he's all there uh, uh, on the field, I'm saying. So uh, that that's number one. Number two, he also says they're not going to release him because he's too good of a player. And while they can save $25 million, and he's going to count 26 and a half against the cap this year, uh, he says they're not going to release him, and he's either going to be playing for us or someone else next year because he's too good of a player based on the value they could get in return. That's John Lynch saying – I don't read into that thinking Jimmy Garoppolo is back with the 49ers. I mean, they, they continue to say someone else whenever they answer about this guy's future. Yeah. May, maybe this is a draft day deal, Paul, where teams reassess where these quarterbacks are and they decide Garoppolo's a deal we need to make. Or they this is a in-season type maneuver, although you, you would want to make the move now for the cap savings now, not later, right? And you're certainly working to keep Trey Lance's confidence up either way, aren't you? And if you have to bait sure. him that way, that's not a good sign. But uh, you want him to, to think everything's on track for him through the offseason at least. Then if something different is uh, the state of your roster come the beginning of training camp, you reassess then and, and then you wait and see who's healthy and who's not on your own roster um, and around the league. You certainly like the cap savings. I don't know the state of the rest of their roster in terms of what holes they have left to fill and the like. Um, but maybe they could head into the season as, as they are. Maybe Hutt, he, he could be the expensive backup you have. Again, the price between the two quarterbacks is, is just north of 28, which isn't a terrible number to have if you feel good about the two of them in in combination though it's less than ideal you'd like to to take the benefit of the rookie deal and and that's when teams can really pounce if the rookie's good we don't know if the rookie's any good he's not a rookie anymore i'm talking about him yeah we don't know if the guy on the rookie deal is any good it's a good team they certainly have some flexibility here they have a lot less flexibility if jimmy garoppolo while he's on the roster it is a bold play that could pay off big in terms of price you get back to carry him close to the season and wait to see if there's an injury situation with another team, wait to see what happens with other rosters. Because you're right, Hutton, in this. If, if, if the longer they wait, if a team, for whatever reason, because of injury, because something else becomes desperate, the 49ers are going to have to looking very smart for what they get in return for Jimmy Garoppolo for someone that becomes desperate the closer you get to the season or even – a few weeks into the season. And Paul, if they want, things if they, can change really fast. They can also restructure him if they wanted to and give him a payday up front for restructuring a contract down and be not, not backup pay, but similar or, or more feasible instead of 26 million for 2022. He's got two years left on his contract this year and next year, next year being 2023 season. 
and make him easier to trade also. Yes, and he's due. Uh, he has a dead cap hit next year of, well, nothing as I look ahead here. Oh, I take that back, Paul. He's got one year left on his contract, this year only. I just, uh, I'm looking at Spotrack, and they gave a projected number. He has one year left on his contract in San Francisco. Everything else has been paid. So his, yeah, dead, I mean, ca- his gonna... dead cap this year is only 1.4. Pretty good. That's, a, that's, a, that's great for San I mean, Francisco. I don't, understand why, I don't understand why you don't trade for him. Well, I think I mean, uh, given that given that it's one year, you know, you right. trade for him and you can sign. Hopefully, you're signing for him, signing him. But if you're not, you got a one year bridge there and no money on the hook. You know, if you're getting him for cheap in terms of compensation, there's some advantages there. I'm thinking Atlanta is ringing a bell for me. Yeah, or um, yeah, I mean Atlanta though just ate forty million dollars of dead cap for. Matt Ryan to move. I mean, they, well, you get this is another t- situation. If it turns into this hot, where you get San Francisco to pay some of the money, um, and maybe you can com- uh, the compensation goes up as the money goes down, uh, kind of like Baker Mayfield. Jimmy Garoppolo, he has started what forty something games of a possible eighty games, give or take uh, a handful. There, uh, he has made one hundred and ten million. One hundred and ten million throughout his contract, and he's due 25-5 this year. Uh, hit us up on Twitter. When we come back, uh, you, by the way, you can follow us, Outkick360. We've got to discuss Penny Hardaway and the, the Memphis Tigers. Um, hit with level one and level two infractions from the NCAA, and hard times coming for Penny Hardaway. Although, I, I look at the details of this, and there is one big question that I have regarding the NCAA and how they've gone about this. That's the details next. And, and we must get into what type of penalty could be headed towards the Memphis Tigers for the way they have handled Penny Hardaway up until this point. That's straight ahead on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Well, I mean, it took, what, 18 months, 19 months, but we finally have something from the NCAA to Memphis regarding Penny Hardaway and all of the infractions that took place. Outkick 360 rolls on. Uh, Paul, uh, Paul is down in West Palm Beach with the NFL owners meetings, the league meetings taking place. We will uh, get a recap of some of the news and notes from this morning's conversations coming up in a little over 30 minutes. Uh, but Chad, we, there is uh, aspects of this story that are interesting. That, to me, the timing of this, a little bit of out of left field, because you never know, I guess everything from the NCAA is, because you never know when they're coming in and when they're ending their investigation. Um, the way I read this was, it sounds almost identical to Tennessee, except the Vols cooperated, and Memphis did not. Yeah, and this is, based on the allegations, this goes a step further than even what LSU did with Will Wade. <clears throat> Will Wade, LSU, clearly, they wanted to keep Will Wade to win games and avoid the NCAA for as long as possible. But Will Wade was the one not wanting to hand over his cell phone, 
not wanting to cooperate with LSU, right. who was attempting to, at the time, to cooperate with the NCAA. He wouldn't now, even go to their meeting. Remember, they wanted to meet here in Music City. LSU could have easily said, okay, you're fired because yeah. you won't cooperate. They did not. So LSU should get hit by the NCAA because of this. The Memphis situation is a total coaching staff, institutional decision to obfuscate, to avoid, to not return calls, to delete a hard drive. There's a lot of things going on here with Memphis. So I'll read a little bit showing just some of the, the, the accusations against Hardaway in the program. Level one and level two violations, both considered severe violations by the NCAA. In this notice of allegations, Hardaway is said to have failed to establish a culture of compliance as part of his head coaching responsibility, a failure to monitor, which is a big one, with the NCAA. They also accused, the NCAA did, of Memphis of not properly preserving the hard drive from the computer of ex-assistant coach Mike Miller, the contents of which were later deleted. Memphis, on top of this, is accused as a lack of, uh, of a lack of institutional control in facing a total of seven allegations, including failure to cooperate, obstruction of the investigation, failure to report acts of noncompliance in a timely fashion, and a failure to disclose or provide access to information. Now, this all started, this is not all involving James Wiseman, uh, who was you know top-rated recruit, top NBA lottery pick. He played three games for Memphis. This stems from Penny Hardaway and Memphis's refusal to play ball with the NCAA. If you remember, Penny Hardaway paid for James Wiseman to move from Nashville to Memphis to play for Memphis East. This is in violation of a booster code because Penny Hardaway at the time was a booster of Memphis, being a Memphis legend. So Penny Hardaway gets the job at Memphis. James Wiseman follows him. There was a lot of questions about his eligibility. Memphis decided to forge ahead, give the middle finger to the NCAA, played him three games, then eventually doesn't play, gets ready for the NBA draft. He was there for three games. Um, this is the least surprising news of an NCAA violator in, in Penny Hardaway. And I say this not to get on some moral high ground about kids getting paid or any of that that goes on. You know when you bring in Penny Hardaway, AAU legend, Memphis legend. He knows how to play fast and loose with the rules, and now those rules don't really even apply because of NIL. Right. So I am somewhat sympathetic to Memphis from that respect because Memphis fans can sit back and say, oh, now you're telling me this is a big issue with players getting compensated or rules being broken to get them to a school. I understand that. But when you make the decision, we've seen this time and time again, the biggest sin, according to the NCAA, right or wrong, is to not cooperate with them and to not play ball. I see a lot of Memphis fans saying, how is Tennessee allowed to give McDonald's bags of cash to football players and not face any problems? They weren't. They fired nine coaches. Now, you can say that coach was going to get fired anyways, wouldn't have a lot of success, doesn't matter, but Tennessee at least put out the appearance of taking it seriously. They fired nine coaches. The McDonald's bag, by the way, thing wasn't in the NCAA investigation. We're not sure that's true, but there were rules broken by Tennessee. There's no doubt about it. They knew it. They fired the coaches with cause. Memphis could now play ball and say, we fired Penny Hardaway with cause. I don't know his contract. I don't know what it says. This is bad news for Penny Hardaway. The only other option, Hutton, is to go the LSU-Arizona route, and that is deny, 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 
appeal, 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 and keep him as head coach as long as you can and hope the clock runs out. Given the level and severity of accusations here and the way Memphis treated the investigation, I don't see that being a possibility. Well, the way they've handled this is has led to this being the notice of allegations, right? For It's no surprise here. My biggest issue with all of it is the timing of it because Memphis definitely used tactics that were impermissible at the time. Everyone knew it. Everyone. But yet it took 18 months. So everyone that's going to be a part of this are long gone. And now you have, you, you have players and a coaching staff where history has been written over the last year and a half during this investigation and prior to the year and a half investigation where you look back and you think, okay, moving forward, a lot of what they were in violation of doesn't even hold water now. They're still in violation of that. I don't know what takes so long from the NCAA perspective. Because again, it, if Memphis went on to win a national title, let's say, last year, or you know, went on some NCAA tournament run instead of you know, the NIT, Chad, I, I'm, I'm looking at that going, that still happened. And they did it with a, a cloud over the program, if you even want to call it that, where we all knew these viola- the violation day was going to come. The question was when, and there is no rhyme or reason to the timing of any of this in regards to the NCAA. What would happen? The rent was always going to come due. Yeah, but what in this story? But what would happen if you just didn't pay rent? Well, what would happen is you're uh, not allowed to go to the NCAA tournament. Yes, but also the NCAA could slap a show cause on uh, on Penny Hardaway, and what that means is you have to show cause to employ him, not show cause that he doesn't have the show. It's you have to show cause the NCAA that just slapped the show cause on him to employ him with an NCAA team. So they could essentially fire Penny Hardaway themselves is what they could do. I also just don't think that's going to happen anytime soon based on the, the clock of the NCAA and how they operate. So that, exactly Memphis, I mean, here's to me, here's the risk assessment right now. If you're Memphis, you got a legend, a Memphis legend and your school's legend coaching your team. He's getting top-level talent to Memphis. It has not worked until the end of this year where they go on a run the final month and a half. They look good in the NCAA term. They lose a close game to Gonzaga. So it looks like it's now starting to tip into the right direction for Penny Hardaway. So your options if you're Memphis are to sit there and say, let's keep this thing rolling as long as we can. We had no problem deleting hard drives and not cooperating with the NCAA before. We have no problem doing it again. We'll continue that. Hope we can get three to four more years out of Penny Hardaway before the rent comes due, if it comes due, because we don't know what the NCAA's power is going to be four years from now. That's one option. The other option is you come back and say, well, we screwed this up. Maybe we suspend the guy for a half a season or a season, or we come up with some other route, or we fire him. And Mike Miller's already gone. There was a weird departure there. This is probably because of this and he's investigation. Now a high school coach, right? Yeah, and this all happened around this investigation. So now we know why that was happening. Either you do that, or just it, it's a clean band aid. Penny Hardaway's not here. We go in a different direction. We try to save ourselves from the wrath of the NCAA. I, I really think this is headed towards just Memphis will just go to war with the NCAA. They're not firing Penny Hardaway. I think they've shown that everyone in Memphis for whatever reason, 
feels like they are indebted to Penny Hardaway more than Penny Hardaway would ever be in debt to the University of Memphis. And he can do whatever he wants in that city. He can do whatever he wants that university with that program. And they are going to back him. They are going to cover things up for him. They're going to do whatever is necessary to keep him, him employed at Memphis. And I think that continues. Well, they, he's also done a lot for the university and more for the city uh, to, to warrant that type of response and, and why they feel indebted to him and why you know, he feels indebted to Memphis based on what he's given back to them uh, with the, the millions that he's brought to the, the inner city. Yeah, this is um, not Will Wade at LSU in terms of no, ties to the area and no. the city. This is a far different beast the, uh, with Penny Hardaway at Memphis. I think everyone would acknowledge that. The one part of the storyline that makes it very easy now to, to make happen from Penny's side of things, and I'm not saying he's interested in this now. He was. Uh, a lot of this grand scheme, grand plan of coaching was to go from middle school where they won the – they won the state championship, even though there's not a state championship in Tennessee for middle school hoops. They won the quote-unquote state title where they remained unbeaten and they went on like this tour where they went to play state for state. Um, from there, he became a high school coach for Memphis East, but with a TSSAA, the governing body, which is the NCAA of Tennessee High School Athletics. I mean, he wasn't the on-paper head coach, but he was the head coach. Um, there was a lot of stuff going on there that, for whatever reason, the TSSAA turned a blind eye to at Memphis East. Like it or not, that's just a fact. And, and it happened. So beyond, beyond that, then this goes back to Wiseman moving to, to Memphis from Innsworth, uh, Alex Lomax living with Penny Hardaway, um, Penny Hardaway coaching as the head coach without being the head coach. But he had a best friend that started this, this coaching plan with him uh, who passed away of cancer. And their plan was to eventually become uh, the coaches at Memphis and to move on to the NBA and coach some of the same players when free agency allowed. That was their grand plan. So if you're looking for a way to do that, the NCAA just gave you your path to go to the NBA right here. I'm not saying that that's in the plan today, but that was certainly a part of the storyline where Chad and I called a championship game for Memphis East, uh, what, 2018, 2017, uh, when all this was going down. So, and, and look, it was known then what was going on behind the scenes. So if he's doing it at the high school level, you better believe he's doing it at Memphis. And no, he's not the only coach that cheats and gets away with it. Most coaches are doing that in order to compete. And yes, you can pay players now through NIL that you were not allowed to play or give a quote-unquote benefit to, where in, in, in another truth in all this is he's actually, it is a legitimate benefit for some of these kids to be able to live with Penny Hardaway instead of where they were currently living or whatever environment they were in. So he was actually improving their quality of life by doing so. Um, but it, it goes in, into the category of NCAA violation based on improper benefits for boosters, which you can't do as the head coach. This could end up where his one big option is to go be an assistant coach in the NBA. I don't know an NBA team that would hire Penny Hardaway as a head coach based on his track record so far as a college coach and a lack of success in college. Maybe there is. Maybe he's got a relationship with an owner out there that would hire him as a head coach. I think that's definitely going to be an option well, for him in the future. Chad, let me, let me put it this way. I, I just the think Orlando Memphis Magic are dead last in the East this season. Yeah. There's, there's 
one potential landing spot. Just so happens they're 20 and 55. And they have a 26% winning percentage on the season. This is bad news for Memphis. Regardless of how we want to look at it, their options are not good right now because their options are continue to fight the NCAA. They'll continue to throw more sanctions on you. It's going to be bad for your program. They could cripple you. They could give you a multi-year postseason ban, which makes it virtually impossible to recruit players and bring them in. They can give Penny Hardaway a show cause. They can make life very difficult. The other option is you continue to employ them and see what happens, and you ride this thing out as long as you can and let Penny Hardaway continue to get good recruits to your program and try to win now. I think that's what Memphis will do. Your point, Hutton, is interesting in that what does Penny Hardaway now want to do? Does he want to face this fire, or does he want to move on to the NBA? I feel like if Memphis will continue to defend Penny Hardaway and stand by him, I think Penny's going to do the same thing. I just think they try to run the clock out with this thing. And by run the clock out, there's not really doing that. We saw that with LSU and Will Wade. Eventually, rent will come due. And something will happen. And at that point, maybe Penny leaves for the like NBA. Like you said, this is way different than Will Wade and LSU. This is this is Penny in Memphis. This is not you know a random well, and that's coach what, in Memphis. But this what, is not this is not Tubby Smith in Memphis. My point being, they're going to do the same thing LSU did, and gets played out as long as possible until we have to do something. But that something could be a show cause, which that is what Will Wade is going to get. And LSU got word of that, and they fired him. So if that's the case, Memphis has to fire him at that point. He's unemployable because what are you going to appeal to the group that just gave him a five-year show cause and see if they change their mind immediately and you could keep employing the coach? So it may work out where the NCAA makes a decision for them. I just think, in, I think Memphis will stall as long as they can until that day comes. And that day's not, not yet. I, I think if there is – I'm fascinated by it because I think Penny Hardaway is willing to go to war uh, with the NCAA – with, on behalf of Memphis, if Memphis also wants to do that. And based on the reaction to this and, and how things have evolved over the years with Hardaway being the head coach there, um, in a good way, I'm saying, with momentum for their program and how quickly they were selling out venues the, mo- the moment he was named head coach um, and the recruits that he was getting, it's, it's hard for me to say that he would just walk away from that if – Chad, I think you're getting at If Memphis wants to go to war, he will too. But also, it has been a part of the, the big plan to coach some of the same players he's coached throughout his entire career as a coach at any level, at the highest level, which is the NBA. That, that was no secret. And uh, I remember asking him about that whenever we did the conference call with him about preparing for the, the, champ, the championship game in high school. He was talking about it then about how he wanted to go on this path and eventually coach from college, at Memphis specifically, to then go on to the NBA. And this, this may lay out the path to do that quicker rather than you know, going to the Final Four at Memphis, which is also part of the plan. If you are a revolutionary... It may be sped up a bit. If you are a revolutionary and you want the NCAA to be blown up, you want everything to change. You want players to get what they can. You want coaches to have free reign, do what they want also. You are in the corner of Penny Hardaway, and you are hoping he fights the NCAA on this. If you prefer the status quo, which is college basketball, college sports as we've known it for years, which, let's face it, has operated mostly in the shadows and not out front, it's becoming more out front in how these top programs get recruits, then you're probably a little bit more for the NCAA 
Um, I, I think that this is an institution time and time again, right or wrong, and sometimes the NCAA is very right with the way coaches skirt the rules. This is a group that doesn't like someone who upsets the apple cart. Even if you have, even if you put forth a false front that you care about compliance and about the NCAA, <clears throat> that's what they want ultimately. They want big, broad statements from a school and an AD talking about how much you care about NCAA compliance. They don't want the Memphis route. They don't want the LSU route, and they will continue to fight against that. Is Memphis willing to fight for Penny Hardaway? I think the answer is yes. But, but I would also flip it and say, okay, whenever you say, quote, failed you being the NCAA, Chad, not you just saying this, failed to demonstrate that he promoted an atmosphere of compliance with the men's basketball program. Spell it out. James Wiseman's not even mentioned in this. How is that possible? When the again, if if it's known for years what what has gone on for that one year where he went to Memphis East from Innsworth, which is a private academy here in Nashville, and was paid to leave and go to Memphis to play his high school ball, uh, and the relocation was paid for. I mean that that's just common knowledge walking down a sidewalk here. I don't know how the NCAA is at naming names. And until they do, like, to me, I can read that into whatever you want. That failed to demonstrate he promoted an atmosphere of compliance with the men's basketball program. Well, I mean, the Supreme Court ruled that you weren't in compliance with law this past summer. Like, again, like, what is going on here with the NCAA where it takes so long from May 2019 to now here we sit here in March of 2022, and there's still no resolution to this to the point where it's like, oh well, maybe he's going to fight, maybe he's going to get fired, maybe he's not. We said this years ago, and who knows what they can benefit from if they just fight and ride this out? Yeah, look, I'm not a huge Penny Hardaway as a coach fan so far at Memphis, but I'm keeping my eye on this story because I think you could change the verbiage from the NCAA, and say, Penny Hardaway failed to act like he cares about the NCAA. It's That's it. To monitor. That's it. He just he was honest about it. A lot of these coaches don't care about the NCAA, but they're good at faking it and putting out statements that, oh, we have a compliance department. I tell kids this and that. I take the NCAA compliance test. We are very serious here about NCAA compliance, and they do something completely different. I think Penny Hardaway is just the type that just puts the middle finger up to them at all times. He did it with the TWSAA. When he was a high school coach, he's done it with the NCAA. And it's eventually, let me put it this way, it's always backfired before. We've entered a new era with the NCAA and their power and their jurisdiction is a bit different, but it's never worked out for the person who does that. And I think Penny is another example of someone who just does not care and won't even pretend to care about the NCAA's rules. And I, I'm sorry, but the, the fact that he's an AAU coach at the time, Penny, and he paid $11,500 for Wiseman to move from Nashville to Memphis for high school ball. I don't know how that plays a factor into the NCAA and compliance. It's also, I, it's it's also a guy who played three games for you. It was because he became the head coach, and he was a de facto recruit at that point of Penny Hardaway. But, again, like he's also a father figure to James Wiseman. There's no doubt about that based on the, the, the yeah. background with how this all went down. Um, and you, you could say that for... So, so Penny Hardaway Penny Hardaway paid for all of these... Uh, and Nike did too. Brought in for Team Penny 
uh, shoes for every middle school kid playing basketball in the city. Is he not allowed to recruit those players now because he's the head coach at Memphis? Well, because that's an your, improper your, benefit. Your point, your point is great, and I don't care about the James Wiseman thing. I will also add, though, that in this accusation, quote, Memphis did not properly preserve the hard drive from the computer of ex-assistant coach Mike Miller. Mike Miller had nothing to do with James Wiseman. Exactly. This is bigger than James Wiseman. Memphis has been getting five-star recruits I, from all over America. So I think, while you're right, Hutton, I have no issue with him helping these kids as an AAU coach and everything that happened with Alex Lomax, with James Wiseman, all of those Memphis kids or kids from Nashville that moved to Memphis, no issue with that. I'd like to know about Jalen Duran. I'd like to know about uh, Amani Bates. Oh. I'd like to know about the recruitment of some of these other guys. And, Memphis and I should, think that's where the NCAA is really Memphis getting involved. Memphis should turn around and say, I'd like to know about Zion Williamson and Coach K. Well, Memphis, what Memphis has turned around and said is, we don't have the hard drive. And then when they finally find it, it's been erased. They're just going to fight them. I don't think they're – Penny Hardaway, I believe, is telling them we don't care. Memphis, by their actions, is saying we don't care. So this is going to be an interesting fight moving forward. And I don't know who wins. I just know that none of this is good for Memphis basketball. Unfortunately, it will not be over as soon as uh, Will Smith and Chris Rock's fight was last night. No. I think, be, this will take years. I, I, I do want to see, though, this Will Smith-Chris Rock feud. Let's, let's play this thing out. Let's play it out for as long as possible. Much like Memphis wants to play their fight with the NCAA out, I, I need more incidents between the two. I need wait, more trash talk. Wait until you hear about these gift bags they handed out last night just to attend. Does Will Smith write a diss track now? Does he get back into rap <laughs> after this? Is there going to be a wait, Chris Rock diss, diss track coming out with Will Smith? I may, need that. I'd, I'd download it if he, if he maybe, had one. Maybe this is now a new episode on the drama series Fresh Prince of Bel-Air that's re, getting a reboot. This could all be Not driving, comedy anymore. driving eyeballs to Peacock. To get people all watching, about watching Not Fresh about Prince or Bel Air. I think it's just Bel Air. Oh, now. just Bel Air. Sorry. Yeah, I think. I'll kick 360 rolls on. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. If you want me to click on your link, you need to be telling me what rich people, what wealthy people are getting in return for just showing up somewhere. It's amazing what they get in free. There needs to be a streaming service of just luxuries for the rich. All it's shows about that and Hutton would only subscribe to that I would. streaming service and watch how the rich live and what they get for free. Outkick 360 rolls on. So the I most expensive item in this year's bag at the Academy Awards, which is handed out to every nominee who arrives, um, who agrees to come. A $50,000 three-night stay at Turin Castle in Scotland, which is inspired by Denzel Washington's Best Actor nomination for The Tragedy of Macbeth. <laughs> now, you have to pay taxes on this, but wealthy and rich people, that, there is a difference to me, wealthy and rich, both categories here are always looking for a good deal. So if you're only paying taxes on a $50,000 vacation, you're taking it. Is so the that's 50K, number one. Do we think the 50 k is for flight to Scotland, everything involved, or just... 
to you're staying in a castle to, to be to to habitate the castle for three days is fifty grand. Chad, you could also also in the bag a twelve thousand dollars celebrity arms liposuction procedure from cosmetic surgeon Dr. Thomas Sue. I could use that right about now. My arms are getting a bit flabby. Uh, the title of Lord or Lady of Glencoe, along with a small plot of land in Scotland. That's in the gift bag. What did, what did Scotland do to deserve all of this? I guess and get all these, these. I guess this is based prizes. on Denzel. This sounds to me like uh, the title of Lord or Lady is like the made-up thing where you bought a star <laughs> in high school for the girl you yeah. dated. Oh, well, I named a star after you. Here you go. It cost me $200. That's ridiculous. Uh, $1,200 life coaching session. With up, Will Smith? Up to Yeah. Up to $10,000 worth of treatments and rejuvenation procedures from a doctor. An assortment of flavor wrap popcorn packages. See, that sounds like your typical yeah. wedding gift as you leave, right? Like a party We're going to get nominated for a Marconi at some point, and we'll get those um, th- that type of prize. $25,000 worth of home renovations from Mason Construction, which is L.A.-based. Like, you know... Here you're you're just trying to you know pay rent on a eight hundred dollar condo downtown or eight hundred square foot condo downtown twenty five k and here they're giving you twenty five thousand dollars in renovations to just show up to the Academy Awards last night and watch Chris Rock get slapped. Let's get nominated for an Oscar, Hutton. That's our next step. <laughs> Let's come up with an idea during this break. We'll try our best. We'll also check in with PK, who is down in Florida at the NFL League meetings. Headlines from Florida next on Outkick 360.